What's up, everybody? Welcome to Found Flicks. On today's Inning Explain, we're taking a ride on the midnight meat train, following a photographer in the big city who attempts to track down a serial killer dubbed the Subway Butcher and discovers much more than he bargained for under the city streets. For a bit of context behind the movie, it's based on a short story of the same name from horror legend Clive Barker, the guy behind Candyman and Hellraiser. It does adapt the original story well, but of course adds a lot more to make it full length. The film has all the makings of a cult classic, with a very excellent grimy atmosphere, slick camera work, and some very bloody moments, which does get a bit diluted by an overabundance of CG. It's also just a novelty seeing a pre-superstardom Bradley Cooper in the lead role, as this came out a scant one year before he was thrust into the spotlight with a hangover. But it's Vinnie Jones, probably best known for Guy Ritchie gangster flicks, that really stands out with his meticulous silent killer mahogany. While not quite at the level of Candyman or Pinhead, he is still a very unique and interesting character that adds a lot to the movie overall. The movie has a lot going for it and obviously had a decent amount of money thrown at it as well. So it's a bit surprising to find out that due to a change of studio heads that they kind of killed the movie. The new head did not want to be associated with horror anymore and cut a lot of the movie down to get an R rating and it was only released in a few dollar theaters, kind of just wanting it to disappear completely. Fortunately, over the years, people were able to find the movie on home video in its un cut form as the theatrical cut is more or less gone for good and it has grown in appreciation since its botched initial release. So let's check out the Midnight Meat Train, breaking down the story as well as digging into the mysterious butcher character and what we learn about him as well as explaining the surprising gut punch ending and comparing it to the original short story which gives us a bit more context of what's going on. In the always dangerous big city, a snoozing guy gets to experience a whole new kind of terror. He wakes up up finding that he's all alone and suddenly slips on a pool of something, yep, blood. Indeed, the entire floor is matted in it. He slips and slides on the slippery liquid and walks towards the next car. There's more blood-soaked carnage in there, seeing someone goring another person on the ground. This is our first indication of the butcher killer's presence, but this has a surprising connection to the end of our story, as we shall see. Out in the streets, Leon, who as a photographer, is hoping to capture the real essence of the city. Something catches his eye, so he snaps a shot. He returns home to his doting girlfriend, Maya, who has been doing some reading for school. To her amusement, she brings up how everyone complains about the city being dangerous and wanting to go back to the good old days. Turns out there are no good old days. It's always been a hellhole here. Hmm, nice little bit of foreshadowing there. Leon is not really paying attention and is more interested in some photo of an accident that he thought he got, including the body. But alas, no such luck. Sounds like Leon is doing doing some pretty hard living, but luckily Maya has a way to put an end to his line of work. Her buddy Jurgis works for a gallery and managed to land a meeting for him with the one and only Suzanne Hoff. I know! He's beside himself with excitement and finally pays her attention without being distracted. The couple's starting to get frisky. At the gallery, Jurgis gives him the wisdom to not mention Maya. Suzanne wants her artist young and single. They meet her and apologize for being late, which she weirdly shrugs off as no big deal. After all, punctuality is for the mediocre. Oh, okay, if you say so, lady. He attempts to explain the purpose of his art to really capture the city in a way that no one else has. The real thing, warts and all. That is his goal. She curtly informs him that in that case, he is failing. She points to a photo, chiding him for being at the right place, but not the right time. His photo does grab attention, but only creates melodrama. Arresting, but empty. She wants to see what happens next when the man's filth reaches the business guy directly. That's 
Mostly she encourages him to stay on it and be brave the next time it happens and then come back to see her. That night he has a dream back on the nightmarish train with hooks instead of handholds. Leon shoots awake and this strange dream inspires him to set out into the night. There's some homeless folks wandering around along with some hooligans causing mischief, but nothing too revelatory really. He follows the kids to a staircase leading down to the subway and finds them there harassing a girl. She locks eyes with Leon and he shouts for them to stop. The kid asks him what he's gonna do, Leon goading him to come up and find out. He keeps taking photos as he ascends the stairs and at one point directs him to stop. He shows him a security camera there that captured the entire incident and he stops even closer, getting right up in Leon's face, but turns back telling the others it's time to go. He checks on the girl and she cannot believe what he did as most people would have just run away. He humbly mumbles that he didn't this time and she gives him a big appreciative kiss. She rushes off to catch her train, Leon still snapping shots as she gets on board. Someone puts out a hand to open the door for her and she hops on. There's only more danger awaiting her on the train, finding herself all alone in the car. That is, except for one lumbering suited figure behind her. She pops in some headphones and doesn't hear as he stalks right up to her and bashes the side of her face with a hammer. In the morning, Maya sees his photos from last night, demanding that he has to show them to Suzanne. This is what she wants. She also hopes that if it isn't this, she never wants to see what it is. Leon stops by the diner that she works at and we find out that he's vegetarian, having to hassle the line cook to grill him up some tofu. In the paper, he's shocked to see a missing report on a young girl, Erica, and verifies with Maya that it is the same girl from the photos. She disappeared after 2 a.m., which was right after he shot her, sending him in a flurry down to the police station. He details what happened to Detective Lynn, but she's dubious about his story, in particular as Erica is quite a popular model, and these photos could fetch some serious cash. He defends that he had no idea about that or who she was, he was just following some suspicious looking guys. When asking why he kept photographing her after, he stumbles for an answer, her telling him to call when he comes up with something more concrete. Leon showcases his new photos to Suzanne, and she's blown away, even uttering the word whoa to his surprise. Hers too, as she says she never says that. That's just how daggum good the shots are. She dangles the opportunity of a slot in an upcoming show. All you gotta do is give me two more images as strong as that, and you'll be a part of it. Alright. The trio have some drinks to celebrate at the closed diner, and Leon does recognize just how much his friends helped. This would not have happened without them, but he has to take his leave, as there's more work to be done. It's some hapless tourists on the train that next encounter the butcher. The wife is worried, having heard stories about the dangers of the subway, but the other guy scoffs, that was ages ago. It's a whole new century now. And hey look, it's Ted Ramey, brother to Sam Ramey, who played Hoffman in the Spider-Man movies. Good to see you, bud. The guys keep talking and don't even notice that they missed their stop. And still don't notice when the butcher comes right up behind him and smashes Randall in the back of the head, popping his eyeballs right out. Well, short and sweet for Ted there, I guess. The butcher takes a meat hook to the other guy right up the junk, youch, while Lee tries to crawl away. The guy grabs his leg and gets his face pounded in, Lee still trying to crawl away. The butcher grabs her and drags her back. Then in a very cool shot, we switch to her POV as the hammer is brought down several times until it takes her head off completely. Pretty slick shot there, actually. The butcher takes the escalator to the surface level and happens to run right into where Leon is chilling. Immediately intrigued by the strange figure, he starts to take some photos. Leon decides to follow after, and the butcher can feel him behind him, coming to a complete stop. Leon attempts to casually pass 
passing by and gets grabbed, noticing a star symbol on his ring. He weakly apologizes, saying that he just wanted a picture, and the butcher does let him go, stomping off towards the nearby Hotel Barclay. At home, he compares the pictures of Erica to the man and realizes that the ring matches, meaning that he must be behind what happened to her. The butcher freshens up in his room, donning a fresh suit, and I'm like, man, the dry cleaning bill must be a disaster for this guy. Coops has been waiting all night for him to come out and decides to see where the butcher is heading next. He zigzags through some buildings and alleyways and comes to a meat packing plant. Leon sneaks in, seeing several guys working the line, also including our butcher. He quite appropriately works there. Leon stakes out again until nightfall and the man leaves. He saunters down to the subway and takes a seat on the bench watching as the trains pass by. Hours pass, hundreds of people going on about their lives, and he doesn't move a muscle the entire time. Another train arrives later, and this appears to be the one that he's been waiting for. Leon attempts to follow after, but gets stopped by a cop wanting to see his camera, and as a result, he loses the butcher. He's joined on board by another big boy who fakes him out, and the butcher does not even flinch. The guy apparently is called the Guardian Angel, and he laughs that life is like a box of chocolates for some reason, and the killer turns back to him with a dark glare. He surprises him with the hammer hitting the window, just about to strike again. The butcher is overcome by something, starting to bleed at the mouth. Angel pulls out a knife, and the two tussle, trading heavy blows. The driver hears the hubbub and grabs a hidden gun. The conductor fires and gets him right in the eye, taking him out. The conductor obviously knows the butcher, calling him by his name Mahogany. Very strange name, I have to say, even though it's from the original short story as well. He tells him that he's disappointed and orders him to clean up the mess. Leon surprises Maya late at night with a ring. Not an engagement ring, but more like a promise to be engaged. She's happy at the gesture regardless, and they start getting down right on the countertop. Yet things feel off as Leon gets a little too aggressive, as though something is starting to take him over. There's more indication of this in another dream. We fly through the train, seeing tons of bodies hanging on meat hooks. Then in another POV, a victim shouts, and the butcher slices his throat, blood spilling out onto the floor. But this time we see it's Leon doing the killing, causing him to wake up terrified. While we never find out exactly how long the butcher has been doing this, it must be some time, and it appears to have taken a toll on him physically. We saw him hacking up blood before, and now when undoing a shirt, we see that his chest is covered in growths that resemble barnacles. He grabs a scalpel and starts slicing them off, and weirdly collects them into a jar along with several others. He's then overwhelmed by a coughing fit, and still does his best to get his game face on. So it's really looking like Mahogany cannot do this physically for much longer. Hmm, wonder if he's got a replacement in mind. Leon is becoming more obsessive in his interest in the butcher to Maya's concern. She wonders why he's not working on his show. Just give the pictures to the cops and move on. People disappear all the time, and she's sure that they'll figure it out. But he is not intending on giving up, and digs deeper at the library into cases of missing persons in the city. They go all the way back to 1895, and there's an article regarding a butcher being held in relation to several killings, implying Mahogany could have been working since all the way back then, especially as it's the same plant he works out today. Lastly, Leon heads back to the factory, but this time dons a uniform to go undercover. He watches rows of dudes carving up meat. Amongst them, the butcher is there on the line and turns right to face him. Leon quickly hides, but he's already been made, the butcher staring right at him. He flees into a meat freezer, a maze of rows and rows of carcasses. He evades the killer and takes cover behind a cow. The butcher leans under and just in time, Leon uses a hook to raise himself off the floor. Didn't help too much as the butcher is simply there waiting behind him. Oh, hello. He sprints through the meat and makes it back outside, hitching a ride on the back of a truck, the butcher watching angrily as he gets away. He joins Jurgis at the diner in the middle of chopping down 
Leon on a steak, both him and Otto agreeing that he looks like shit. To everyone's surprise, Leon samples a piece of the meat and decides to take one of them bad boys after all. Again, remember he was staunchly vegetarian before, once again letting us know that Leon is changing as he gets closer to this butcher. Maya finds him at home, pouring over an array of photos and article cutouts, growing increasingly worried about his new hobby. She wants him to let go of this butcher obsession and just focus on his work, but Leon is in way too deep. He lays out what he's discovered. As she pointed out, people usually go missing for a variety of reasons, but he's found that there's a ton of people just in the last three years alone that have completely vanished into thin air. He's convinced that someone must be abducting them, and he believes they don't ever find a body because he takes them to the factory. He shows off the article from the 1800s, and she's even more confused. Is he saying it's the same person reincarnated or something? All that he knows is this has happened before, and this guy must be involved. He continues ranting insanely, and she tries to bring him back to reality, asking him to stop shooting all of these terrible things, and asks him what he loves. I love you, he whispers, and she tenderly strokes his face. Seeing his camera, she attempts an impromptu sexy photo shoot, but each flash of the photos causes Leon to blink to things like Erica and the butcher. He can't get it out of his mind. He breaks down in tears and apologizes, leaving her devastated. He visits her at the diner to clear the air and admits that she is right about everything. Unfortunately for him, the butcher has tracked him down, each eyeing each other through the mirror. Now he's the one being followed. That is not good. However, rather than hide, Leon digs even deeper and follows him down into the train so he can keep a close eye on him. Some kids come up to the butcher to try and sell him candy, and there is a brief moment of concern, especially when he reaches into his bag of murder tools. But he only pulls out a dollar bill and they walk off without incident. Huh, I guess even killers that are hundreds of years old still love chocolate. At the next stop, two more guys get on and Mahogany retrieves his hammer. Feeling he's being watched, Leon ducks behind a barrier, leaving him to his business, murderizing the guys, blood shooting out everywhere. Leon watches mortified as he starts to tend with the bodies and is nearly caught again. The butcher meticulously removes her clothes and places them into separate plastic bags. Using some equipment, he then removes their teeth one by one, along with their fingernails, and shaves down their hair as much as possible. Oh, and don't forget the eyeballs, which he places into separate Tupperware containers. Boy, this guy sure takes his work seriously. Very organized. He jams meat hooks into their ankles and hangs the bodies upside down, Leon shooting the entire display. He finally catches the killer's attention, sending him hightailing it the other way. He bangs on the front, trying to get the driver's attention, but as we know he's involved, there is no hope there. The butcher stomps in and knocks him unconscious, and he comes to in a car upside down like the others, but importantly, you know, he's not dead. Kept him alive for a reason. The butcher watches on from outside as strange dark limbs emerge, all reaching for Leon. They start tearing at his skin, Coop screaming in agony. Yep, he's definitely being chosen for something here. Maya peers through the mini photos, and when seeing the butcher angrily tears it to pieces, a shake and Leon appears at the door, her wanting to know where he's been. He bolts straight to the bathroom and locks the door, and when unbuttoning his shirt, see a kind of symbols that the creature left behind carved into his skin. He attempts to play it all down, saying that he just needs some sleep, but she wants him to get checked out at the hospital. He dryly details the horrific thing that he captured the night before. Too bad they got his camera. The location he woke up is apparently an abandoned subway station right under the meat plant. In spite of everything, she's still hopeful that she can fix things, going to call an ambulance. And Leon enters shoving her against the fridge. He growls that she can't call anybody, as they might suspect him of being behind things, reiterating that he just needs some sleep. Tonight's his big opening after all. Yikes, Leon, need to chill out there a bit, buddy. Getting deeper and deeper, he's starting to lose touch of himself, obviously. Showing just how much she 
cares about Leon, she enlists Jurgis to investigate his crazy story. And they do at least have a lead to go on, the hotel that he was seen at prior. Jurgis thinks they're just as crazy as he is, but she disagrees. They need to get his camera to verify what he saw for certain. The butcher leaves his room, and they scooby-doo sneak down the halls after he's gone. They use the good old credit card trick to pick the lock and begin to snoop around inside. She discovers his barnacle collection, and we float back to the front where the butcher has returned home, going right for his trusty mallet. Jurgis finds his closet full of identical black suits, and on the last hanger is Leon's camera. He straps it on just as Mahogany enters, raising his hammer ready to attack. Maya runs out into the main room, noticing the bag that wasn't there moments ago, and decides to dig around inside. She finds an old folder containing old subway schedules with specific times circled going back for decades, which could be a record of the butcher's many kills. She goes in search of her pal, Mahogany waiting patiently with his dripping hammer in the closet, but she wisely decides to split instead. Sorry, Ergus. She then meets with Detective Lynn, inquiring about her friend, but things aren't quite adding up. Lynn claims that they went to the room and examined the place, but there was nothing there. In fact, Lynn turns things on Maya, saying that she took an heirloom of the tenants that they want back. She now really grasps the importance of the turntable, that it traces every murder back the butcher has done, her only proof of this happening. She fibs that Jurgis has it, so you know, they have to find him first. She proves ultimately not much help at all, threatening that she could lock her up for breaking and entering, but Maya is not going to let her stand in her way. Oh, and that's an interesting symbol on the detective's necklace there. Very interesting. At Leon's big show, he's looking especially zoned out, not even trying to play the game when meeting some potential clients. He stops at a photo of the butcher, staring into his soul, and he returns a steely gaze, here really getting an idea of just how deep Leon is at this point. Suzanne tries to snap him out of it, but he leaves, grumbling that he has a train to catch. Knowing this guy is out there, he cannot think about anything else. He's also sucked his lady into the madness too, her bursting into the diner and grabbing a gun despite Otto's annoyance. Hey, good luck with the rush, guy. She bumps into a determined Lynn, again asking her to hand over the book. Maya points the gun at her, wanting to know what is going on here. Lynn tells her Jurgis is on the train and informs her which one specifically. So she waits for the right one. At 2.06 a.m., she gets on the instructed train, while Leon returns to the meat plant and gets ready for battle. Donning some chain mail and stocks up on a variety of knives too. And a hook as well. Sure, why not? Apparently this at one point was going to be a Candyman sequel, so maybe that's one little detail still left from that version. There's one other guy on the train with Maya, and sure enough, he leaves and she's left all alone. We see it's the same conductor behind the wheel that shot the big dude, and the destination turns to black, looking like it's going to a secret other direction that leads to the abandoned station. Leon is just kind of hanging out, maybe waiting for the train, but maybe not, because it's not until he sees Maya on board that he springs into action. He sprints after the train and catches the back with his hook, barely making it on. Maya enters another car filled with several hanging bodies. Amongst them is a still alive Jurgis. The butcher is busy still tending with organizing the people's belongings. Mm, might be a little too meticulous there. How long does that take exactly? She attempts to get Jurgis loose, but the hooks only dig in deeper. His pain yowls, alert the butcher, and she goes for the gun, but isn't exactly a great shot. He launches the hammer, getting her in the leg, and then stands over her ready to swing. Leon shouts out, which stops him. The butcher's smiling in recognition when seeing him. Both are ready to fight, and they rush towards the other. Maya gets him with a bullet, but it becomes lodged in his chainmail to no effect. The two throw down, landing some extremely hard punches right 
right in the face. Leon gets his leg yanked, and he retaliates, stabbing him with a limb. Still pummeling each other back and forth, we spiral around the subway as it changes lanes towards the abandoned stop. Leon defends himself from a face stab with his hand, and the knife winds up in Yurgis, the butcher deciding to finish him off, unleashing a waterfall of blood. Seriously, that's a lot of blood. Leon uses the hammer against the butcher to break his grip on the door and manages to knock him right off the train. The two embrace, and things are okay for the moment, until the train ominously comes to a stop. The conductor steps out, instructing them to step away from the meat, noticing some movement in the light through the windows. Screeches echo out, and several demonic creatures emerge, descending hungrily upon the offering of flesh. Well, I guess it was these guys they were feeding the whole time, and also apparently don't like fingernails and teeth and whatever. Too many crunchies. Mahogany is not done with Leon, tackling him and getting his chainmail off. Leon tries to fling a skull at him, only for him to catch it. Then showing his clear superiority, he throws it right back and smacks him right in the head. They struggle once more, and when seeing his open shirt, Leon recognizes the symbol on the butcher's chest as the exact same on his own. Yep, you've been enlisted to become his replacement. Leon pulls out a knife and stabs him, and follows it up with a jagged bone right through the neck. This stops the butcher in his tracks, gasping weakly for air. And for the first time, Mahogany speaks, croaking welcome just before slumping dead. Just to make extra sure he's a goner, Leon jams a knife right through his head coming out of his mouth. Yeah, that'll, that'll probably do it. The conductor brings Leon up to speed of what's going on here. Mahogany could not do his job anymore, as we saw with the coughing blood and barnacles. It must be that the butcher roll wears on the body over time to the point that it can't work anymore, so you eventually gotta find a replacement. Yet it does seem to extend your life as well, if Mahogany was the same butcher from the 1800s. Mahogany knew what had to be done, and according to the conductor, the role of the butcher is quite an honor. In fact, he envies him. Leon tries to attack the conductor, who lifts him in the air by the throat. He reaches into his mouth and yanks his tongue out, tossing him away. He then gratefully munches it down before explaining the full depth of what he stumbled upon here. This whole thing has been going on long before he was born, even before the birth of any other human being. Only a scant few have ever found this secret, and he is now part of an intimate circle that must keep this all hush-hush. As for why they're serving a constant flesh buffet for weird creatures, if they are tended with, the barrier between worlds is kept intact, otherwise this evil dimension and its other critters would be running amok in our world. Which reminds us of what Maya said way back in the beginning, the city has always been a hellhole. It literally is! Speaking of Maya, the conductor brutally slices down her entire torso and removes her still beating heart, presenting it to Leon. He commands him to serve without question, as they all do, tongueless Leon just sitting there slack-jawed. Not sure what he wants him to do exactly, eat it or something? It might also be more about representing his love for Maya. Now he is forced to let it all go for good. I always remember the first time that I saw this and was genuinely shocked with how things turned out, especially with how Maya was so coldly dispatched. I was like, whoa, dang. And then of course, Leon taking the role as a new butcher. Pretty tragic as well. But then I also considered he kind of did it to himself in a way. He was so desperate and obsessed with finding the darkness in the city, and he sure found it. But it was at a level that he could not have imagined, obviously. This all also kind of paints Mahogany in a different light as well. Sure, he was murdering tons of people all the time, and that's not cool, but now we know he was kind of forced to do it for the greater good in a way. His actions were technically actually helping the people and keeping the evil at bay. That's kind of interesting. Things conclude with Leon taking on his new duties, donning a suit and the star symbol ring. Lin hands over the recovered timetable, letting us know with certainty that the police are also involved in this whole crazy cover-up. She even has a matching symbol necklace to really hammer 
hammer this home. He stops at the sight of a picture of him and Maya in happier times. Well, that's all gone for now, buddy. Time to get killing. He then boards the meat train, coming to the guy asleep from the very beginning. So what we started with was actually seeing Leon's first night as the butcher, and he turns impactfully towards the man. You know he's gonna die. Now, when it comes to the original short story, things turn out essentially the same, but there are a few extra little details that really help to flesh things out. It's the same sort of ideas that we see in the movie, but maybe take it a little further out there. As for the creatures, they are actually degenerate humans, and eating human flesh provides them with immortality. They serve an evil entity known as the Eldritch Abomination, who has been around since long before the very first humans. These creatures, or city fathers, made a deal with the entity in order to make New York prosper. The same goes with similar abominations in every city around the world. Apparently every city in the world is run by these abominations, that's pretty nuts. As for Leon, the outcome is the same of him taking over the butcher's job, but there is a major difference. He actually gets to meet the Eldritch Abomination for himself, the sight of which drives him insane, with a mixture of terror as well as a compulsion to worship it. Experiencing this breaks him so thoroughly that he is completely unable to do anything else. This pulls things into a much more Lovecraftian direction, not just the reference of the Eldritch name, but also that always important concept of unknowable terror. Seeing this horror for oneself is more than any human can handle. So here Leon is kind of driven insane or has his brain broken by the abomination. And this is what leads him to serving the entity without question. Also this Leon character adamantly hated the big city, but after the encounter falls down to his knees and kisses the ground, swearing his loyalty to the city. Again, same basic kind of outcome, but with a way more out there cosmic twist of things. It fills in, you know, a couple more gaps in the story. With that, we have reached the conclusion of this any explained for the Midnight Meat Train. Don't forget before we go, you can send requests for any movies or TV shows you'd like to see me explain by sending them my way on any of my social media accounts at Foundflix. What did you guys think of the Midnight Meat Train and its ending? What's your favorite Clive Barker related flick? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow. Thanks for watching Foundflix. See you next time.